praise the Lord. The Lord is good, is he not? You know, I don't, they don't ask me what I'm preaching on, and I don't ask them what they're singing. But you can kind of, sometimes things work together. My, my sermon title tonight is Victory in the Last Days. And we sang a few songs about victory already. But, you know, uh, we need to, and we do, we do need to sing those type of songs, but we also need to actually walk and live in victory. And so we're going to kind of talk tonight a little bit about how to have that victory in these last days. And uh, I'll preface it by saying, by saying this, that uh, one of the verses that, and I think I've mentioned it several times uh, in the uh, services I've been uh, honored to speak uh, here at the church, uh, is is Romans, and I didn't give it to the guys up there, and that's all right, you don't have to put it up, but Romans 3, 4, God forbid, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you might be justified in your sayings and might overcome when you are judged. And in doing a little bit of study, and you know, uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, but you know, the original New Testament was written in the Greek language. It's not really spoken anymore, that Greek language. Just like, how many of you know, we don't speak King James English anymore, right? And here in the United States, we don't really speak English. We speak American. And that depends on what part of the country you're in at the time, right? What Brother Hagin, he'd always say Texas colloquial express. I did colloquial. I had to look that word up. I didn't know what a colloquial was. But you know, it meant regional. Something that said, you know. My my uh my mom's family's from southern Illinois, and uh my granny, uh, she'd say things like Ewan's. Ewan's gonna go do this, Ewan's gonna go do that, you know. But some places in the south they say y'all. Well, this word overcome in that same manner is from the exact same root word that the word victory translated in the New Testament is found. To overcome is to have victory. And so the first step in this, I would say this just to preface what the other scriptures we're going to read, is that in order to have victory, and how many of you know we're supposed to win, right? Jesus has won, and we're supposed to win, and we do win. And it doesn't matter the circumstances, we're victorious in Christ. But in order to, to, to do that, I've got to make a decision that God's word is true. No matter what I feel, what I see, right? And, in order, and, and to do that, so I've got to make the word of God, the Bible, the basis of what I believe. Amen. Those of you that uh, God has called to, be, uh, to go through Raymond Bible Training College, you've had Brother Doug Jones in class, and you've heard him talk about Bible-based beliefs. What's your belief system based on? Now, sometimes, you know, we all probably need to take a disc and disc, disc that field up a little bit and just make sure there's no weeds in there. Is this my own tradition? Is this the tradition of something else? Or is this actually the Word of God that I'm basing this belief on? You've heard Pastor Hagin say it, you know, that he was raised and he, he's taken it himself. The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. So what does the Bible say? And so when I, my beliefs are correct, then my thinking can be correct. Because Bible-based beliefs govern my thinking. What I believe governs what I think. 
And then if my thinking is correct, then what I'm going to say is going to be correct. Right? And it's so important that we link those three things up. Our beliefs, our thinking, now beliefs of the heart. I'm talking about the foundation of your, our beliefs, our thinking, and our words. All right? So victory in those areas. So let's go to 1 John chapter 5, if you would, please, tonight. 1 John chapter 5. And I'll read this, this from the King James Version first of all. And as those of you that might be not used to me, I do kind of take the King James out of it as I read it. I don't, I don't try to do it. It just for, been doing it for so long that I kind of take that out. But I don't, I'm not taking away or adding to the word here. So don't send me cards and letters, all right, about that. Verse 1, 1 John 5, 1. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loves him that begot loves him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now how are you born of God? By believing that Jesus is the Christ. Or in other words, by believing what the word of God says concerning him. Do you ever think about Romans 10 that says, if you confess with your mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. Well, you can't confess that and it actually, if it's not what you believe. You could say Jesus, Lord, until you're blue in the face. But if you don't believe it, it's never going to have any effect. But when you believe it in your heart and then say it with your mouth, you're born of God. All right. So whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So how many overcomers we got in here tonight? Amen. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the son of God. Let me read this, uh, these five verses from the Passion Translation. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. And everyone who loves Father God loves the, his children as well. This is how we can be sure that we love the children of God, by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. True love means obeying his commands. And his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. You see, every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Let me just read that again. Our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. In other words, your belief and you're acting on your belief. So, so who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. Glory to God. Now go to John chapter 16. The Bible tells us in, in 1 John chapter 3 that Jesus came to destroy and to basically defeat Satan, destroy the works of our enemy, and he defeated him. How many of you know he did defeat him? We'll look at Colossians 2 in just a little bit. But Jesus has already won the battle. He's already won. John 16, 33. Here's the King James. These things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What does that mean? I have the victory over the world. Now here's the Amplified Classic. 
I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. You know, if you're in faith, you've got peace. There's peace involved with it. And that confidence that it doesn't matter what it looks like right now, I'm coming out the other side in victory. Amen? Now, you know, sometimes folks, you know, they think, they think God brings you, brings you through and you're just beat up, barely can walk, tours are, or clothes are all torn up, you know, just look like you've been through everything. But, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego might have a different story to tell. When they were thrown in the fire, they came out, didn't even smell like smoke. Then you couldn't tell they'd been in a battle. They told that king, the king said, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you. He said, they said, our God shall deliver us. And they basically told him, you can throw us in or not. We're not bowing down to you. Our God will deliver us. Amen? Well, how many of you know that's the same God? That's the same God as the, who's your father, who's adopted you into his family. Amen. He goes on to say, in the world you have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I love this part. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Amen. You know, some people are looking at the days we're living in and they're saying, oh, look at all the bad that's happening in the world. These got to be the last days. They've got, I'm not looking at the bad that's happening in the world to tell me it's the last days. I'm looking at what the victorious, mighty moving force, the army of God is doing in the ministry of the Lord Jesus and taking, taking nations for Jesus. That tells me we're in the last days. That tells me. Amen. We don't have to look at it. Well, what the devil does, it's not his plan anyway. Well, look at all the devil's doing. I could care less. It's not his plan. We've got victory over him. We've got authority over him. We've got the name of Jesus to break his power over men and women's lives and their minds and set them free. Glory to God. Let's look at Revelation chapter 12. Here's a scene from heaven. Revelation 12, again, this word, the word overcame and the word victory are from the same word, same Greek-based word, and they, they're in the same word family, let's put it that way. One of the meanings means to conquer, to conquer. But here he says, look at Revelation 12, 11, and they, talking about this, these, these people that have, have come out and they have won the victory, he said, they overcame him speaking of Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame him. Now, I like the, the old, how many of you ever have read an old good news Bible? You ever remember the old good news Bible? It was a paperback, kind of had a funny color on it. You could wear those things out quickly. But I like what it says here. It said, they won the victory over him by the blood of the lamb. And by the truth which they proclaimed, and they were willing, up, willing to give up their lives and die. Why? Because I've already won. I've already won the victory. Amen? Praise the Lord. Colossians. We're kind of going through these, these uh, fairly quick here, but victory. Victory in these days. Hallelujah. 
Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated it. Now, we know this natural death of, the, of this uh, that's on the earth today, that's in the earth today, that's the last enemy that's going to be put under the feet of the conqueror, right? And there, there'll be a day, there'll be no more death of any kind. We know, we know already we've got the life of God. If you remember talking about born of God? Well, you've got the life of God in you right now. It's in you. It's working in you. So your, our spirit is alive unto God. We've been transformed by that life. The spirit of God brought the life of God on the inside of us when we were born again. Hallelujah. We became a child of God and we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Out of the darkness into the light. Out of death into life. Okay. Why? Because Jesus won the victory for us. Now, we were guilty, right? How many of you know, you know, I, I, I've kind of joked with people sometimes to try to help them to under, try to get them out of certain things because, you know, a lot of times people, well, I deserve this and I deserve that. So, well, we got to quit talking about what we deserve because if we really be honest about it, here's what we deserve. Live a short, miserable life filled with strife, filled with sickness and disease, filled with poverty and lack, and then die and go to hell. That's what we deserve. But how many of you are glad? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. But God, who's rich in mercy, for his great love where he loved Tad. I did he love you? He loved you. Even when I was his enemy, he shed his blood to gain the victory for me. Hallelujah. You know, most of the time when someone's made to shed their blood, they, they lose. And I think that's what the devil thought. He thought he had beaten Jesus. He thought he had beaten God because he thought he had killed. He didn't know it was a mystery. There was a mystery hidden in God. Hallelujah. Even though there's how many messianic prophecies throughout the Old Testament that pointed to it, yet it wasn't known. The devil didn't know it. Only the Godhead knew exactly what was happening. Amen. And when Jesus had paid the price, when it was fully paid, you know, you remember at, the, at what we call the Last Supper, the Passover meal that he shared with his disciples, and who knows if they sat on the same side of the table or not. It's kind of hard to paint the back of people's heads, you know, and so they put, he put them all on the same side there. Uh, not Jesus, but the painter. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, when Jesus, they, they passed that cup and they drank it, he said, this is my blood. This is the blood of the new covenant shed for you. And they all took a drink out of that. And then in the garden, he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But he said, your will be done, Father. Your will be done, not mine. Your will be done. Let this cup, no, why? He'd already drank it there, but I'm telling you, he drank the cup. Now, maybe not there at the supper that night, but the cup of our redemption, the cup that was filled with our penalty and our sin, Jesus drank it to the last drop. There's not any of it left in the cup. Nothing left to accuse you, nothing left to point at you and condemn you because he drank it for us. Hallelujah. He drank it to the full. 
That's why when you hear people talk about the finished work of Christ, that's what they're talking about. There is no more sacrifice for sin. If you reject that, there's not, there's not another sacrifice that you can go to. There's no more blood. The, the blood still speaks, but the, he, the blood has been shed. It still speaks of redemption and forgiveness in heaven. But he's not, he doesn't, he's not going to the cross again. Right? So if you reject that, we don't have, there's nothing for you. God, even God has nothing for you if you reject what he did. But I don't know, I'm looking at a group of people I think accept what he did. Amen. We're not, we're not rejecting what he's done for us. So here in Colossians, the apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, gives us a glimpse into what happened. In verse 13, Colossians 2.13, chapter 2, I think I said 3, but chapter 2, verse 13. And you, you know, that means me, that means you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. How many of you know, uh, in, you know Colossians and Ephesians are like sister epistles. There's at least 50, ref, 50 statements that are almost identical in the two books. And, and, and in, in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about how God raised Jesus from the dead, you know, by, by raised him up. And then it says he, when he, that we've been raised up in chapter 2 and made to sit together with him. When God raised Jesus from the dead... He, he, it was, it's so powerful. Think about this. He said in Ephesians 1, Paul said, I pray, Father, that they would know what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought or demonstrated in Christ or what's wor- what worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead. Because not only did that power raise Jesus from the dead, it also supplied the power to raise everyone who would accept Jesus from the dead also. Hallelujah. That's what people say, well, you know, God. No, that power has not lost any of its ability. Hallelujah. And there's nothing that the devil can do about it except try to blind people's minds. But he can't stop the light of the glorious gospel of Christ from shining forth. Amen. They say, well, now some people, some people don't believe. I was talking to a class here just on Tuesday about it. And we started talking about the word of God. You know, some, well, what if some people don't believe? Well, that's where signs, wonders, and miracles come into place. Now the Christian, we shouldn't need that. We know God is good. We should know God. But the world doesn't know that. They don't know that. Just well, why do I believe it? Just because you say it. Well, let me prove to you it's, it's right. Let me prove to you it's real. Jesus said, if you don't believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, believe me for the work's sake. Because it's the Father in me that's doing these works right here in front of you. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So he goes, goes, he, he said, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now listen to this from the Passion Translation, verse 13. This realm of death 
describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. He canceled out, look at this, every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. See, in that day, if you went to jail, they would take your, the, what, what you were accused of and been convicted of, they'd write it down and they'd write the length of your sentence and they'd nail it to your prison cell. Hallelujah. But Jesus went by every one of your and my prison cell and took it. And when he was nailed to the, it, it was nailed there with him. And there's no more evidence that you had ever been convicted of anything. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, verse 15, he said, then Jesus, after he'd done that, after he had paid the price, Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them, stripping from them, sorry, away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Hallelujah. And they're still prisoners. They're still prisoners. Satan's trying to shackle you. Satan's trying to bind you. But no, he's the bound one in the name of Jesus. He's been defeated. And we've got the victory. We didn't have to fight. Jesus won it for us. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hallelujah. I'm not, listen, I'm not here tonight trying to hype you up into something. I'm here tonight to tell you, you've got the victory. And I don't care what goes on in these last days. Remember, govern, make that the foundation. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm the victor. Something's trying to steal my victory. I, I love that uh, the ministry changed that over and talking about dealing, especially in dealing with, with Satan and dealing with demons and different things of that sort. You know, we're told to cast them out. Change that over to, let's look at it from this standpoint. We are the triumphant church. We're not trying to get victory. We already are. We deal with the devil from a position of victory. We deal with sickness and disease from a position of health. We deal with poverty and lack from a position of being blessed. We deal with mental torment and anguish from a position of peace and confidence. And anything that comes against that, we stand against. We, we rise up and say, no, 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 you don't. You're not taking my health. You're not taking my mind. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, starting verse 50. And the King James here says, Now this I say, brethren... That flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, 
And this mortal must put on immortality. He's talking about this body you got right here. And when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Because he says the sting of death is sin. Well, listen, listen, we've been delivered from sin. Jesus paid the price. There's no more sting to it. Oh, great. And he says, and the strength of, this, of sin is the law. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But thanks be to God. Woo. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Now you know why James said, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. Count it all joy. It doesn't look joyous. It doesn't feel joyous. It doesn't sound joyous. Count it as joy. Why? Because thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want to pick up in verse 51 here from the message Bible. You know, sometimes the message Bible just kind of says it in a way that gets through to us sometimes. But let me tell you something wonderful, he says, verse 51, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed. And some of us, our voices are going to change, even when we're 62 years old. <clears throat> Second puberty. You hear a blast to end all blasts. That wasn't in the message. I just said that. You hear a blast to end all blasts from a trumpet. And in the time that you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves. Behold the reach of death beyond the reach of death, never to die again. At the same moment and in the same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this, is, this uh, has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced by imperishable. The mortal replaced by immortal. Then the saying will come, to true, come true. Death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now, in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ, thank God. With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Our belief, our thoughts, and our words are important. But I'm going to tell you, the last thing I want to end with this tonight. If you're not busy, if you're not busy doing whatever God called you to do, you don't really believe you got the victory already. You're struggling. You're trying to get this to happen. You're trying to make this happen. I'm going to go out there and make it happen. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna do... You're still trying to win a victory. Now, that doesn't mean we don't, you know, ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. Don't ever forget that. It is work, but it's work in God. Paul said, Paul said, it's the grace of God. 
I am what he, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Yes, it's by the grace of God. But he said there, throw yourself. I love how he says that. He said, throw yourself into the work of the master, confident. Why? Because I've already won. I've already won. And God said, do this, so I'm going to do it, knowing full well. Yes, there's going to be obstacles. Yes, the devil's going to come against me. Now, I know, you know, this is a community church, but how many of you that, that have come to Raymond, you came to Raymond to go to the school and you're here still or whatever, how many of you, once you decided to come, it looked like all hell let loose in your life? The devil tried to stop you every way he could. Now, some of you, th- some folks wrongly think, well, I must have done something wrong. I must, now, you know, not everybody's supposed to, well, they should, but not everybody's going to come to Raymond, right, to go to school. But some people are surprised. Well, I'm obeying God. I, I, the Lord told me to do this. And the devil's being mean. Listen. In order to have victory, you've got to act like you're the victorious. Amen. Now, that doesn't, I'm not talking about, see, I'm not talking, people hear that and they start, then they start treating people bad. Didn't we read in 1 John 5 right off to obey God is to love people? Amen. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about having the status of a, a victor. I heard uh, Brother, Brother Osborne, T.L. Osborne talk about that uh, he and uh, his dear wife, Daisy, they'd go in the airport and Daisy would see somebody walking through the airport like, you know, they travel the world. So spend a lot of time in airports. Some folks think, you know, I enjoy it, but it's not necessarily glamorous. Spend a lot of time in airports, you know. You know, I like to watch people, so I kind of, that's kind of, you know. But anyway, he, she'd see somebody and she'd run up and get underneath him. What's wrong? What's wrong? Don't you know God loves you? What's wrong with you? She'd get down in her face just in there walking along like this, you know. Brother Osborne said this. If you're a Christian, stand up straight. Put your shoulders back. Hold your head up high. And act like God's made you someone to go somewhere to reach somebody else. Amen. Why? You are victorious. He said, well, brother, it doesn't look, I don't care what it looks like. Amen? I don't care. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it sounds like. The Bible says we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm either going to have to believe that. And really, frankly, about it, if I can't believe that, what can I believe in the Bible? Can you tell me? If that's not true, then what is? Amen. And we've got a lot of dear brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm convinced they love God. Uh, they love God, but they don't know him at all. Because they think, they think it's God's will that they get beat up and have all this stuff. And, and that they, they don't ever, you know, have a victorious life. I think the blood of Jesus is more powerful than that. I think the blood of Jesus was more precious than that and more valuable than that. He did not shed his blood so that the devil could run rough, run rough uh, whatever you want to say it, every how you want to say it, just run through our life. Without, without you know, like, like he's in control. No. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. 
the blood of Jesus. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you got the victory in this place tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise God.